For the teaching of the word today, you got another double feature today. I'm going to get us started. I'm going to share a mini message. And then we've got Liz. She is uh, ready to go this week. And... Uh, and she's going to share with you. Uh, if you want to follow along with your notes, you can find the notes in your bulletin or on the church app. Or they're attached to this video if you're watching the video. Or they're attached to this audio if you're listening to the audio. So however you're engaging with us, you can find the notes to follow along. So I want to share with you this morning from our Rooted Bible reading. We read Mark chapter 7 this week. And uh, th this story really stirred me up. And we've been diving a lot more into corporate prayer as a church, and we're going to do that here in just a few minutes. Uh, as, as, as I finish sharing, I want to get into this, but, but this story really continued to encourage me when it came to this idea of prayer and, and pressing into God for miracles. And so I want to share with you a message called Crumbs for the Dogs. Crumbs for the Dogs. That's all we want today. We just want some crumbs for the dogs. If that's all we get... That's more than enough. That's more than enough to see all the miracles that we need to see. If we could just get some crumbs for the dogs today. So you can see from your notes that our big picture point for this message is that we can learn a lot from the Syrophoenician woman about seeing miracles in our prayer life. And so we're going to learn about this woman. What does Syrophoenician mean? Well, she's from the region north of Israel, which was known as Phoenicia. Its largest cities were Tyre and Sidon, but she was somewhere from that region. But that region was also for many years under the control of Syria. And so if you're from that region, you would be referred to as Syrophoenician part Syrian, part Phoenician. And so, uh, but the most important thing that we take from this woman is that she was not Jewish. She was a Gentile woman. She was not of the chosen people of God. But the way she approaches Jesus is going to teach us a lot today. Amen? So we're going to read this from Mark chapter 7, but then we're also going to read the same story from Matthew chapter 15. Uh, both of these writers tell the same story, but they tell it from different perspectives. What do we know about Mark? We know that Mark was writing primarily to non-Jewish people, and so he wrote in a very simplified way that people could be introduced to the gospel of Jesus. Whereas we know that Matthew was writing to a very Jewish audience and was really trying to open up Jesus as the promised Messiah to the Jewish people, and so he was writing from that perspective. And so from both of these perspectives, we get a different taste of the story. And let, let's dive into this. Let's start in Mark chapter 7, starting in verse 24. It says, Jesus got up and went away from there to the region of Tyre. And when he had entered a house, he wanted no one to know of it. Yet he could not escape notice. But after hearing of him, a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit immediately came and fell at his feet. Now the woman was a Gentile of the Syrophoenician race, and she kept asking him to cast the demon out of her daughter. And he was saying to her, let the children be satisfied first, for it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. But she answered and said to him, yes, Lord, but even the dogs under the table feed on the children's crumbs. And he said to her, because of this answer, go, the demon has gone out of your daughter. And going back to her home, she found the child lying on the bed, the demon having left. 
Come on now, let's read the same story from Matthew chapter 15, starting in verse 21. It says, Jesus went away from there and withdrew into the district of Tyre and Sidon. And a Canaanite woman from that region came out and began to cry out, saying, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is cruelly demon-possessed. But he did not answer her a word. And his disciples came and implored him, saying, Send her away, because she keeps shouting at us. But he answered and said, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and began to bow down before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered and said, It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. But she said, Yes, Lord, but even the dogs feed on the crumbs which fall from their master's table. And then Jesus said to her, O woman, your faith is great. It shall be done for you as you wish. And her daughter was healed at once. Right? So we have Jesus going up to the region of Tyre, the region of Phoenicia. So why was Jesus going up there? Right? Jesus made it clear he was not called to preach to the Gentiles. That time had not come yet. He was called to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Right? He said he came to seek and to save the lost of the house of Israel. So why would Jesus, whose mission was the children of Israel, and whose mission would ultimately lead him to Jerusalem, which was in southern Israel, why did he go out of his way to travel north to a Gentile region where there were no Jews? Well, the Bible doesn't say. But maybe he was going up there for rest and quiet time. Because we know that Jesus loved to get away from the crowds and spend quiet time with the Father. And it says he went into a house because he didn't want anybody to know he was there. Maybe he needed that quiet time. Or maybe he wanted to teach his disciples, but he had to get away from the crowds because he needed some time alone with his disciples. And we know that everywhere he was going, crowds were following. So maybe he took his disciples north just so he could have some quality time with them. Or maybe he wanted to allow the conflict with the Pharisees to blow over because he had just had some serious conflict and they wanted to kill him and he knew it wasn't quite his time to die yet. And so maybe he was just getting away to let things blow over before he headed to Jerusalem. Or maybe, just maybe, he knew the importance of this divine encounter with this particular woman and what it would signify, because we know that Jesus already had one divine encounter with a woman who was not Jewish, and how critical that encounter was with the Samaritan woman at the well, and how that changed everything for the Samaritan people. And maybe Jesus was there for this particular encounter to show that even though his calling during his earthly ministry was to Israel, that his message was for the whole world. Amen? And so he has this encounter with this woman. Now, he calls her a dog. That's pretty harsh. And that's hard for us to kind of mesh with our idea of this loving Jesus. How could he call this woman a dog? Well, obviously, he was using terminology that was common, that Jews, in their spiritual pride, referred to non-Jewish people as dogs. But if you know the original language that was spoken here, he actually used a different word. The Jewish people used the word for dogs that referred to scavengers, to outdoor animals. The word that Jesus used here referred to dogs as house pets different word. 
he was still making the same points, but maybe he was taking the harshness out of it because even Jesus didn't want to call her a dog. He was calling her a dog to make a point, but he couldn't bring himself to use the nasty word for dog. So he used a softer word for dog. But we're going to talk about in a minute why he did that. But what we see here ultimately is that this woman got her prayer answered. She was desperate to see a miracle, and her miracle was answered, and the demon was cast out of her daughter, and Jesus was not anywhere near her daughter. Right? It's not like Jesus said, okay, let's go to your house so I can lay hands on your daughter. Let's go to your house so I can speak to the demon. He just said, no, the demon's gone. And I love this because it shows us that there is no limits to Jesus. Jesus' spiritual authority, right? It is not limited by any sense of physical distance or anything. Jesus has spiritual authority everywhere all the time, amen? I mean, this also shows us the power of a praying parent. I love this. J.C. Ryle said this. He was a bishop of the Church of England back in the 1800s. But he said, hopeless and desperate as her case appeared, this little girl had a praying mother. And where there is a praying mother, there is always hope. Come on. For all the praying parents out there desperate to see Jesus move in the lives of your children and your grandchildren. As long as you keep praying, there's still hope for your kids. As long as you keep praying, there's still hope for your grandkids. Amen? So I just want to talk to you really quick. This woman received the miracle that she prayed for. And I see three things that she can teach us about how she received the miracle that she was praying for. The first one is this. She received it because of her humility. Because of her humility. Right? In Matthew, it says that she bowed down before Jesus. In Mark, it says that she fell at her feet. This woman laid herself down at the feet of Jesus. You know, there's, our prayers aren't answered because of our physical posture, but sometimes our physical posture can reveal where our heart is at, right? There's a big difference in standing in front of somebody and demanding something, right? I demand that you answer my request. There's a difference between standing with somebody and conducting a transaction, right? Jesus, I'll do this if you do this. Can, can we conduct a transaction? There's a difference between that and just flat out doing this. Jesus, I'm desperate, I don't deserve it. I can't even look at you. I am so unworthy. But Jesus, would you do a miracle? Would you do a miracle? There's something in the posture when we're willing to humble ourselves to that extent. She called him Lord. She called him the son of David. She recognized who he was, that he was God in the flesh, that he was the promised Messiah, and she wasn't even Jewish. And she understood that she wasn't Jewish. She didn't deserve it. She didn't deserve for Jesus to even be talking to her. She recognized, you know what, Jesus, you're right. I am a dog. But you're Jesus. You see, she didn't seek an answer based on her worth. She sought an answer based only on Jesus' worth. And I think we can learn this because sometimes we can get demanding of God. Sometimes we can expect our prayers to be answered because we deserve it. Instead of coming in humility and recognizing that we don't deserve anything. Now there's a time to do spiritual warfare and to be bold and to declare the authority that God has given us. 
But there's also a time to recognize how desperately we need the mercy of Jesus and to humble ourselves and to recognize who we are and who Jesus is, right? Jesus tried to teach this to his disciples with the, the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector, right? He told this parable where the Pharisee was like, I'm so good, I tithe twice a day, and, and I light all the candles in prayer, and I do all this great stuff, and then there's this tax collector who can't even look up, who says, God, I am such a desperately broken, awful human being. And Jesus said, which one of those two do you think got their prayer answered that day? It was the tax collector. And in Luke 18, 14, Jesus said, I tell you, the man went to his house justified rather than the other, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but he who humbles himself will be exalted. Can we come desperately before the Lord in humility? We don't deserve any miracle, but if we can throw ourselves at the feet of Jesus and recognize how good he is, and desperately cry out for him to do a miracle. The second thing we see is faith. In Matthew, we hear that Jesus made mention of her great faith, of her great faith. You know, there's only two things during his earthly ministry that Jesus ever marveled at. There's only two things. The faith of Gentiles and the lack of faith of the Jewish people. Those are the only two things that we read about that Jesus ever marveled about was when people who were not the chosen people of God had great faith to believe that Jesus could do anything. And he also marveled when the chosen people of God didn't believe in Jesus at all. So Jesus marvels at this woman's great faith. How great a faith did she have? She recognized that just a crumb of God's goodness and authority was enough to give her the miracle she asked for. That's all she needed. She's like, you know what, Jesus? I don't need a seat at the table. I don't need to eat all the food that the children are eating. I don't need all of that lavish spread that I know you have. All I need is a crumb. If I could just have a crumb... I would see a miracle. That's great faith, right? And Jesus tried to teach this faith to his disciples when he told them, if you just had faith the size of a mustard seed, you could move mountains. You notice a theme here? Everything that Jesus was trying to teach to his disciples, this ungodly woman already got. She already had the heart of it. She had great faith. And the third thing is perseverance. Why did Jesus call her a dog? Because he wanted to see her persevere, even when she didn't get the answer she wanted at first. You see, Jesus is willing to delay the answers to our prayers in order to test our faith through perseverance. Jesus is willing. This is hard to think about, right? Because we know that God loves to give us good things. But Jesus is willing to delay your miracle because he wants to test the perseverance of your hearts. Come on, it says she kept shouting even when Jesus ignored her. In Mark, it says she kept asking him over and over again. She wouldn't be turned away even when Jesus used a derogatory term. And this is what Jesus was trying to teach to his disciples, right? In Matthew 7, 7, ask and keep on asking. Knock and keep on knocking. Seek and keep on seeking again. Everything that Jesus was trying to teach his disciples, this woman already got it. She kept asking. 
she kept seeking, right? Through her humility, through her faith, and through her perseverance, she was completely surrendered to Jesus, completely desperate, and she saw a miracle. John Callahan, who was a pastor and a Bible teacher, he said this. He said, Jesus waits until the demanding stops and we yield ourselves completely. Jesus waits until the demanding stops and we yield ourselves completely. Jesus doesn't want to see how well we can demand things of him. He wants to see our humility. He wants to see our faith. He wants to see our perseverance. Rachel, can you come up on the keyboards? And that's what I want to do right now, is I want to pray for miracles. I want to encourage you, take whatever posture you want, whether you want to stay seated, whether you want to stand up, whether you want to kneel, whether you want to lay down, whether you want to move around, it doesn't matter to me. But let the posture that you take reflect the humility of your hearts and the desperation of your spirit to see a miracle. Come on, some of us are praying for our kids right now. Some of us are praying for our grandkids right now. Come on, some of us are praying for our marriages right now. Some of us are praying for provision right now. Some of us are praying for freedom and deliverance right now. Some of us are praying for healing right now. Come on, we need miracles. And Jesus is looking for a desperate people who aren't demanding their way, but who will yield themselves completely to his goodness. And to humble themselves completely before him and say, I won't stop asking. I won't stop asking. Come on, Kauai Bible Church, right now, begin to lift up your voices. There's a miracle inside of you. There's a desperation inside of you. Come on, there is a healing. There is a salvation. There is financial provision. There is a new job. There is a restoration in your family. Come on, there is a ministry. There is a miracle. Can we learn from this woman today? Can we cry out to him, Jesus, 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 Jesus. We are desperate today. We need miracles today, Lord. We need miracles today, Lord. God, there are so many in our lives that need salvation, Lord. So many that need salvation. Oh, Father, would you bring our children home? 
are faithful with the time. Oh, Father, that you would pour out a financial miracle in their lives, oh, Lord. Jesus, that they would have what they need to have a home, to have food on the table, Jesus, to be able to drive to work or take the bus to work, Lord. They would have what they need, Lord. We cry out for these financial miracles, oh, God. Jesus, we continue to pray for healing, Lord. Miracles, Father, miracles for those that continue to deal with cancer. Oh, for those that are hospitalized with COVID. Lord, we cry out for healing miracles in Jesus' name. Oh, Lord, all we're asking for is a crop. All we're asking for is a crop, Lord. Oh, Jesus, nothing more, God. Just let a crop fall on us. That's all we need, Lord. Jesus, Jesus. That's all we need. Lord, we're not asking because we deserve it. We're not asking because we've earned it. We're asking, God, because you are good. We're asking because we believe in you. We're asking because we know you can. Oh, Jesus, so we cry out for your mercy. Your mercy, oh, Lord. Jesus, let the crumbs fall to us. Let the crumbs fall to us today, Lord. We ask all of these things in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone declared, amen. Come on, give him praise. Give him praise. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on, keep pressing in for your miracles. Keep pressing in for your miracles. Give it up for Liz. She's going to come and continue to minister today. Thank you, Jesus. Good morning, everyone. I'm Liz Cousin, and this morning I'm super excited to um, share my mini message on Jacob. Um, this sermon means a lot to me because um, for me and my journey in getting back on track with God um, started by watching a sermon series called The God of Jacob. And I brought my little prop to show um, just like this series really spoke to me um, back when I was 22, so eight years ago, and um, the title of my message is Wrestling with God, and I have a picture to go with that, um, and in this picture, I googled, um, that's Jacob, wrestling God, <laughs> and if you focus on his facial expression, you can see, like, the exhaustion, possibly shame, hopelessness, but he's holding on to the Savior, and yes, he's wrestling with him, he's, you know, um, in the wrestling with God, in the wrestling that I found myself in in my life, I felt like that was me. Like, I totally shivered when I saw that picture because it was just like, wow, like, back when I was 22 and I was super young and I was confused about the valley that I was in, like, I was trying to get closer to God, but at the same time, I was just, like, confused and I just felt hopeless. But... I'll get more into that in a little bit, but I don't know where you guys are at in your faith today, but you might be there wrestling with God. Something in your own personal life might be holding you back. You might be confused. You, you have no idea what's going on, but just hold on to him because that's honestly what got me through. And so let's jump into the scripture. Um, my main scripture for this morning is Genesis 32, 22 through 30. So it says, during the night, Jacob got up, took his two wives, his two servant wives, and his 11 sons, and crossed the Jabbok River with them. 
After taking them to the other side, he sent over all his possessions. This left Jacob all alone in the camp, and a man came and wrestled with him until the dawn began to break. When the man saw that he would not win the match, he touched Jacob's hip and wrenched it out of its socket. Then the man said, let me go, for the dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. What is your name? The man asked. He replied, Jacob. Your name will no longer be Jacob, the man told him. From now on, you will be called Israel, because you have fought with God and with men and have won. Please tell me your name, Jacob said. Why do you want to know my name, the man replied. Then he blessed Jacob there. Jacob named the place Peniel, which means face of God. For he said, I have seen God face to face, yet my life has been spared. So that was a lot. (laughs) Um, And just a little bit of background in this story. Um, Jacob is on the way to meet his brother Esau after um, being away for over 14 years. Um, Jacob took something that wasn't his, and that was Esau's blessing. And so when that happened, you know, Jacob didn't really have another option but to run away, Um, which leads me to my first point this morning, um, the running and the hiding. And for me in my personal life, I, um, for like the running and the hiding, I was heartbroken, I was let down by a relationship that I thought would last forever, and you know, that was my reality. So for Jacob, he took something that wasn't his, he fled. For me, someone broke my heart, and I'm like, okay, (laughs) now what? So a lot of times, the word single gets a bad rep. And for me, I didn't want that label. I'm like, okay, I was with this person for over six years. Like, he was my first love. Like, I thought we were going to get married and live happily ever after. But obviously, God had better and different plans. Um, But this story of, you know, Jacob running and doing his own thing for 14 years, for me, it was about seven years before I met my own Jacob. And (laughs) Yes, thank you, Lord. (laughs) Um, But the blessing didn't just come right away. Like, God had to, you know, kind of drag me through the valley and say, girl, like, I have something better for you if you could just follow me. And so my second point this morning is holding on to what God wants you to let go of versus holding on to him. So that takes me back to the picture that I showed you guys. And actually, I do have another picture. Um, And here we have Jesus with an awesome big teddy bear. And he's telling the girl, just trust me. And the girl is like, you know, holding on to her little teddy bear. And she's like, but I love this God. Like, and so the teddy bear can represent whatever you want. It can be a guy. It could be the situation that you're in. So I was so wrapped up in wanting, like, my old relationship to work out, like, I wanted to get married to that person, and God was like, no, (laughs) basically. And so that, it took me a while to get over that and to accept the reality, like, that was gone, and now what am I going to do? And so a scripture that's, you know, when I see that picture and I think about what God has brought me through, Romans 8, 28, and it says, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. So, you know, we have our plan A, and then, you know, our plan A might be God's, or sorry, sorry, we have our plan, but God has his plan. And so 
his plan, sometimes we have to go to the plan A, B, C, D to get to like, this is where you're meant to be. So I'm going to do my best to take you guys through my little journey in like 15 minutes. So, you know, I'm heartbroken, I'm confused. I've always believed in God, but he was like not the center of my life. At that point, it was a guy. And, you know, it's not supposed to be that way. In the word, you know, we read that God comes first and then everything else. And so um, I wasn't actively going to church. Like, you know, I would go on Christmas Eve and Easter, but I've always believed. Like, I grew up in church. I was part of a youth group. But once I got into this relationship, like, it, start, it slowly pulled me away from that. And I'm not blaming anyone. It just happened. Like, I guess it was my own personal choice. And so... Um, in that season of my life, one of my friends, she had moved to Texas, she was back to visit, and she invited me to church, and I'm like, oh my gosh, that's like, I haven't been in church in a long time, like, no way, and she's like, just come, have fun, check it out, and I kid you not, I was like in tears, they were playing, I remember the song, Break Every Chain, and I just felt like I was so bound up in everything that was happening, I was confused, like, I didn't really know who I was, and I'm like, why am I giving a guy so much power over my life. Like, that's not what God wants us to do. If anything, he should be the one that, you know, has the say on who I am and who I am meant to be. And so going to that church um, led me to meeting more godly friends and friends that God knew that I really needed in my life. So yeah, I lost a relationship. I lost the whole family. Like, we were super close. I was with this person for six plus years, you know? And so it was really hard to, like, just kind of let that go. And, you know, God is, like, pulling me forward and drawing me closer to people that want to pray for me with people that, you know, believe God has a better and bigger plan that I couldn't see or believe for myself. And so this leads me to meeting um, my friend Sid. Some of you got to meet her. And long story short, the reason I got to meet her is because I branched out and I joined a small group. And I remember that Sunday they like posted up um, on the board or whatever, that, whatever the projector, sorry. And the word free, like join a free group. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like I just want to be free. And I was like, yes, I'm gonna join. You know, I'm going to church by myself, sitting in the back of the room. Like I leave before anyone can talk to me. And this has happened like, you know, a few Sundays. And so then I'm like, okay, I'm just going to do it, see what happens. You know, we'll meet at Starbucks, go to Buffalo Wild Wings. I'll get to meet some new friends, whatever. Well, no, their small group actually took place at their house. And I'm like, how am I going to drive to someone's house? Like a total stranger. I don't know them. Like I'm scared. Like, oh, my gosh, God, what do I do? And so then Chad, which is Sid's husband, actually calls me. And she's like, Lizette, we're so excited for you to join our small group. You're going to be like a daughter. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, who's this weird guy calling me? Like, there is no way I'm going over. <laughs> and <laughs> so I ended up going. And basically, Sid was an awesome friend, a mentor, someone that would listen to me. And I just felt like I was annoying. Like, I kept talking about the same thing. And I would cry. And why is this happening to me? And you know, I could ask her any question about God and, you know, she wouldn't blink or bat an eye. She would, like, be able to tell me this is how it is. And I was like, wow, okay, she's not intimidated by my questions, you know. Like, for example, well, if God loves me so much, why am I going through this? Or, okay, God knows me. He knows how many hairs I have on my head. That's a lot. So, like, where's my husband? <laughs> and, you know, things like that. And so I had to come to a point 
um, where I was holding on to what I really wanted to versus what God wanted to show me and what he wanted me to learn before I got the promise. <sighs> yeah, so <laughs> trusting God even when you can't see the outcome. That's, you know, what's on the other side? And that was the same thing for Jacob. Like, he was going to meet his brother Esau. He hadn't seen him in a really long time. It's like, what's going to happen? Like, is he going to forgive me, accept all my gifts that I'm sending, or am I going to, like, have to run and hide again? And so... Um, the second thing that I want to share is before I met Jake, I actually had a different friend and we were never a couple, but you know, I had a crush and I think he did too. And you know, we were talking for a whole year and he was going through a divorce and you know, he had twins and I'm like, oh my gosh, that's a sign. This is it. Like he has twins. Jacob's a twin. There's Esau. Like I'm going to help raise these twins, you know? And, <laughs> um, so it's, May of 2019, it's the last day of school, and I'm literally, like, on my way to Arizona. People probably thought, like, whoa, this girl is, like, intense. Like, she's going to meet a guy that she's never seen in person. But I was, like, I'm, you know, almost 28 or already 28. Like, I have no time to waste. Like, if this is what God wants for my life, I will move to Arizona. And so I went, and things actually did not work out how I thought that they would. And so then again, I was, like, oh my gosh, like, I've been trusting God, I've been faithful, I've been serving, I've been doing everything that I believe God wanted me to do, and now here I have another disappoint disappointment in front of me, and that was really, really hard, but I just remember Sid, and even when I was talking to Pastor Aaron about the promise, like, sometimes before you get to where you're meant to be, God will show you the counterfeit versus the original, and so I feel like in that moment or in that season of my life, God was using me to be a light to someone who was a single dad, someone who was heartbroken too. And, you know, I was like all about Jesus, honk if you love Jesus, like Jesus is the light, he's the answer, he's the truth, he's the way. Like I was fired up for Jesus, like Jesus is my number one. And I was just like wanting to shine that onto someone else. And, you know, I can tell them over and over and over and over, but at the end of the day, like, I don't want someone that I have to convince about my faith. Like, I want someone who is already there without me having to push. I don't want that, you know, Sunday morning argument, like, are we going to church? Are we not? You know, we're, we're a church family. Our house is going to serve the Lord no matter what. And so <laughs> um, I just remember, so that didn't work out. I'm back home, and I'm, like, trying to decide, like, what's going to happen? And Sid <laughs> flies to the island, she's on a business trip, and then she's also celebrating her anniversary, and she just so happens to meet Jake on the boat. And the reason why she like booked with them was because it was pirates, she's all about pirates, like no questions asked. And the cool thing about that that I didn't know is Jake had recently started that job, so I found that out after, he had only been working there for like a month or something like that. And so Sid overheard him, like, talk about church, and, you know, I work every day except Sundays because on Sundays I go to church, I'm in the worship team. She's like, oh, my God, like, ring, 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 like, this is the one. And so, you know, Sid, she's always been involved at church, um, was a youth pastor, and so she just went up to Jake and making sure, like, that our faith and whatever, like, the things that we are for, that they aligned, and he had no idea, and he's, like, you know, giving her her or his number, and, yeah, come to church, and, you know, Sid had different plans, so 
Anyway, long story short, I meet Jake. I come here for the very first time, and I was like not expecting anything. I was just like, oh my gosh, I just have to get through the service, meet a bunch of people. And little did I know, <laughs> Pastor Aaron was actually preaching on wrestling with God the first time that I came to KBC. I have my notes for proof. And I was just like, wow, like if you are just trusting God on your journey, even when it doesn't make sense, like he's going to show you the promised land. Even if it's not exactly what you thought, it's going to be a lot better than what you had hoped for. And so, you know, here I am, Mrs. Cousin, married to a Jacob, and I was just like, <laughs> like, if that is not God's hand, I don't know what is. And I, you know, back when I was 22, and, you know, it took a while, like, we got married when I was 29, so it was, you know, about seven years of me walking through my wilderness, finding my identity in Christ, and knowing who I am and who he has called me to be. And so I just want to encourage us this morning, wherever we're at, um, whatever is happening in our lives, a person, a relationship, your situation um, doesn't define you. And so um, that's point number three this morning. So if I can have the worship team come up. But my last point this morning is I am who God says that I am. And in the Bible, if we go back to the story in Genesis 32, um, 26, it said, Then the man said, Let me go, for the dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And then if we jump down to uh, verse 28, I chose NIV just because of the wording. It says, Then the man said, Your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. And for me, that was everything. Like, you know, when I was first single and not wanting that label, which being single is not a bad label. Like, if you are single, embrace it. Like, travel, go to school, do the things that you want to do because that's your time. That's your time to find out what exactly do I want to do with my life? Where do I want to go? Like, what's important for me? And um, I don't know. I just, I know that I struggled with that, like, label and God doesn't give us labels. We put that on ourselves sometimes. But, you know, it took me like two or three years to really embrace, like, you know what? I am awesome. And if someone can't see that, that's their loss, not mine. <laughs> and so, um, you know, when I came to meet Jake, like, this guy was like, whew, like the whole package. Like, he knew exactly what he wanted. Like, no questions asked. He didn't, like, wonder, like, oh, like, do I really like her? He was just like, bam, do you want to be my girlfriend? Like, on our first, well, official date. And I giggled, like, and he can attest to this. Like, I just laughed yeah. so hard. I was like, what? And I was like, I'm sorry. I'm not laughing at you, but this is crazy. Like, you know, I was just in Arizona, like, two or three months prior, and it didn't work out, whatever, you know? And I was just like, and now I fly all the way even further. My family thinks I'm even crazier, but I'm like, you know what? God has a plan for my life. And then if that means that I live on an island, like perfect. <laughs> you know, I love the ocean, which I was so excited that we like sung oceans and my, my husband leading that, like I was just moved, like I was like in tears back here. But just remember that you are who God says that you are. Not a person, not your situation. And just always cling to him even when you are confused, when you are feeling lost and hopeless. Because he has the answer. And just, you know, hang on. And if you have to wrestle, wrestle. And <laughs> he, he is faithful. And um, he, will, he will show you that. 
And everyone's story is different. And, you know, for some of us, it may take longer to find the one or, you know. But just because I'm talking about singleness, that doesn't mean, like, in the future, I'm not going to face something else. And then I can look back to this and think, like, okay, if God brought me through this, like, he can bring me through anything else. And it might not be how I thought that it was going to be, but it's going to be the best because it was his plan for my life. So, thank you. That's my wife.